welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Funny, isn't it, how when you start thinking about something and you start talking about something, suddenly you start seeing it everywhere. You know, it's like you, you, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that we kind of see this. You know, you buy a new car and all of a sudden you start seeing the same model of car all around the place that you never really noticed before, you know, and, and things like that. But I, I came across this little, uh, sort of a story, but this little article on Facebook and it was uh, a group of professionals, you might have heard this before, posed the question, what does love mean to a group of four to eight-year-old children? <laughs> and I'm sure that there were probably a lot of really interesting and creative answers, but there's a, a few of the kind of uh, more profound ones I've selected for you today. So Rebecca, aged eight, says, When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Billy, age four, says, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that interesting? Carl, age five, says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. (laughs) That sounds pretty right, doesn't it? Chrissy, age six, says, love is when you go out to eat and give someone most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. You, you know which direction that flows in your relationship. Terry, age four, says, Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny says, Love is when my mummy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him just to make sure the taste is okay. <laughs> Bobby, age seven, says, Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and just listen. Well, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nika, age six, says, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Sounds like a young child who's been to children's, who's been to Sunday school somewhere along the way there, maybe. Uh, Noel says, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. <laughs> Tommy says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. <laughs> Claire says, my mummy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anybody else kissing me to sleep at night. <laughs> Elaine, age five, says, love is when mummy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Chris, age seven, says, love is when mummy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he is handsomer than Robert Redford. <laughs> Some of you have got no idea who Robert Redford is. That's okay. Famous movie star. Mary Ann says, Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him home all day. And Lauren says, I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. (laughs) Karen says, uh, When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. (laughs) Mark says, age six, love is when mummy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. 
<laughs> the rest of us do, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jessica, age eight, says, you really shouldn't say, I love you, unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. <laughs> and all the women around the church are nodding vigorously. And <laughs> That's right, that's right. It's, um, it's, it's one of those things, there's a lot of like, uh, truth in some of those little statements from kids and, and I was really interested that a lot of them were about observing relationships and, and talking about relationships between another, one another. And often in church, and, and, and we do this here, we talk a lot about what it means to love one another and what it means to love God. And those are really important things. When Jesus was asked, what are the, the most important things for us to, to, to pay attention to in terms of pleasing God and living a, a God-honoring life, what was the most important thing in the law? Jesus responded with love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. But I really, uh, as we're kind of dwelling on this, and, and we do, we talk about those a lot, and those are really important things for us to focus on. But at First John chapter 4, he kind of talks about this idea that we can only really love effectively because God loved us first. First John 4 verses 9 and 10 says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. And, and this is what I want to share, and this is what I feel like God's putting on my heart and what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, this idea of understanding and getting to know how much God loves us how much God loves you, how much God cares about you, how much God is for you and not against you, how much God wants to see you succeed, how much God wants to see you prosper and grow. And it's not always in the same the ways that we might want it to be, um, but God wants our good. The Bible talks again and again, and we've been exploring this, and, and I just, like, I, I can't express to you enough how strongly I believe God wants us to really understand his love for us and what a difference that makes to us. But if you're anything like me, at times you don't always feel particularly loved by God, at least. My wife does a great job of making me feel loved um, and some of you might find this more of a challenge. Some of you are the kind of people that you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you go, hey, what's not to love? <laughs> You know, you like the fonds, you like, you know, go, no, nah, doesn't need anything, you know. <laughs> hey. But some of us find it a bit harder. Some of us get up and we look at ourselves and we look at our lives and go, what could God possibly love in me? And, and it's one of those things that, that we wrestle with. And, and even, I think, the very, uh, even the most secure of, of us all have these kind of moments at times where we go, what, what is there that, that God could love in me? I don't, I don't feel like I'm very deserving. And we've been talking about this whole idea that, you know, God loves us even though we don't deserve it. And God loves us even when we don't feel particularly loved. I, wanna, I just want to kind of share some sort of things. I was reading this passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3. 
I want to share this with you. It says, this is Paul and he's praying for the church at Ephesus and he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that's God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Doesn't that sound awesome? Who doesn't want to be empowered with inner strength through God's spirit? It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And Paul here is using this analogy of a plant. And we know that plants have roots, don't we? They, they kind of go down into the soil and it's how they extract. They extract water and they extract nutrients and stuff up out of the soil and it's what sustains them. It's what helps them to grow. And all you guys who are gardeners, you know, if a plant's got a, uh, a weak root system or if there's not the right stuff in the soil, then it doesn't grow and it isn't healthy and, and all that kind of stuff. And Paul's kind of making this analogy. He says... You as Christians, as people, if, if you were like plants, you would have roots that would grow down into God's love and it would absorb up God's love and give you what you need to make you strong and healthy. So that's the role that God's love plays in your life. And we kind of know it, don't we? There's this kind of thing that when we feel like we're loved, it gives us confidence, when we feel like we're, we're accepted and there's somebody who sees us even with all our flaws and, you know, like those, uh, the, the little old lady and the little old man who know each other so well and they still love each other anyway. Um, I'm getting more and more feeling like that these days, but <laughs> um, having people who, you know, having a wonderful wife who knows and sees lots of my flaws and accepts me and loves me anyway it gives me a, a sense of security and and as we begin to understand that how much god uh, like i mean nobody knows us better nobody knows us better than god there are things even sometimes uh, uh maybe this is more often than not sometimes she shakes her head and goes i don't know what goes on in your head sometimes um <laughs> don't understand you're so confusing um Sarah. Yeah, um, but God sees all of those things. Nobody knows me better than God. And if anybody was going to have cause or reason to not love me, not that anybody ever would, but if anybody was going to have cause, it would be God. To say, oh no, sorry, there's, there's too many flaws, there's too many, too many faults, you, you're too this, you're too that. You know, because if, if, uh, sometimes we, we hide all those things, don't we? We don't, we don't want to put them on display, you know, we put our best self forward. And, but, but God sees all that. And he says, as you grow down into, your, into God's love, that understanding that God's, God loves you, even with all that stuff going on, even though He knows all that, even though He sees all that, even though He sees all those sins that you think you've hidden from everybody else, He sees all that. And He loves you and accepts you. And as we begin to understand, as our roots grow down into God's love, that gives us a confidence. As we begin to accept this idea that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, nothing we do can ever take away that love that God has for us, nothing can ever be so bad that God says, oh no, that's it, that, that's just one step too far. You know, you're done now, you know. As we understand that God never gets to that point where He writes us off, that gives us uh, strength, as He says. He goes on and He says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, 
how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, I don't know if you noticed just there, there's kind of a little bit of what seems to be a contradiction because one minute Paul is saying, uh, you know, may you have the power to understand as all God... So he's saying all God's people should understand start, how wide and long and high and deep His love is. And then in the next breath he's saying, oh, it's too great to actually understand it fully. Now, so, so, you know, like, what is it, Paul? Is it like we're supposed to understand it or we're not supposed to understand it? And I kind of thought, let me, uh, if I can illustrate this way. Because I was thinking about this and I had to try to get my head around this and understand what is going on. There are some things that I can intellectually understand but never really fully grasp the reality of. Have you noticed that? Let me give you an example. How about uh, infinity? Right? We can intellectually understand that something of which there's an infinite amount means that there's like, it's, it's limitless, right? We understand intellectually that the universe is limitless. It's, it's infinite. It has no boundaries, no borders. There's no point you can get to where it stops. But the actual reality of something that is infinite is a little bit harder for at least my brain. I don't know if you wrestle with this. At least my brain to grasp. If I told you to imagine a rope that was infinitely long, what does your brain do? Mine starts imagining really, really, really long ropes. Seems normal. And I can imagine a rope that's long enough to, you know, stretch around the entire world and I can imagine that, you know, going on and on and on. But, you know, no matter how long I imagine that rope, I can kind of keep going, oh, but it could be longer. And I can, oh, and a little bit longer, and a little bit longer. I can't actually imagine something that is infinitely long. My brain says, does not compute, does not compute. If I told you to imagine uh, a, uh, a boulder that was infinitely heavy, I can start imagining really, really big boulders, but they're still finite. They're still, they're still limited. And so even though I understand what the word infinite means, my brain actually has a hard time grasping what that actually really looks like, the reality of what that would mean. And it's a little bit like that, isn't it, with God's love. We can understand that God's love has no end. We can understand that there will never, has never been and will never be a time when God doesn't love us. We can understand that, that God's love is, is infinite in depth. There, there is no... Uh, like I said before, there's, there's nothing we can do or say or whatever that would stop God from loving us. We can, we can give intellectual assent and we can understand, but I, I think sometimes it's actually a difficult concept for us to grasp. And like Paul says, we, we will probably, uh, at least in this life, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to understand it better in the next one, um, but even then... We, we may not still fully grasp it. And this is the, the extent of the God that we serve, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving 
But what we can says it here in verse 29, he says we can experience it. We may not ever fully understand it, but he says we can experience it. How do we do that? Because that's a really important thing. Like as he says here, he says, as we experience the love of Christ, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Who doesn't want to be complete and having life power that comes from God? How do we experience God's love? Let's look at a verse in, in Romans chapter 5. And the first, the first few verses here in Romans 5. And I want to read this from, this is from the Passion Translation. I'm getting really into the Passion Translation at the moment, um, just as, a, as an alternative sometimes, because it's really expressive. Sometimes it kind of helps to kind of put that descriptive language into things, isn't it? He says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. You just can't read the Passion Translation in a monotone voice. I'm sorry, you just just have to read it with expression. I'm doing my best. Okay, he says, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And this is the first thing that, when it comes to experiencing God's love, one of the things that helps us to understand is that God's love is poured out into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to uh, be able to kind of fully grasp what it is before we can experience it because it is something that God does in us. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and all we have to do is be willing to receive it. It doesn't matter uh, whether we've had good, healthy relationships that have demonstrated love uh, in good ways. It doesn't matter if we've had dysfunctional parents or family lives or, you know, whether our, our parents had addiction issues or, you know, all those kinds of things. It doesn't matter whether you've had unhealthy romantic relationships or whatever the case might be. It doesn't matter if you've got father issues or any of that kind of stuff, none of those things necessarily prevent us from experiencing God's love because it is the work of God in us. 
Now, those things might be hindrances at times to us making that choice to accept God's love. But it doesn't have to stop us from experiencing God's love. Second thing is that experiencing God's love has this kind of foundation in what Jesus has done for us. In that passage of Scripture that we read, um, there's a couple of verses that go on from there. I don't have them on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles open and you're following along, um, the next verse says, uh, after it talks about experiencing God's love through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, it says, For when the time was right, Christ came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak and powerless to save themselves. So we, we kind of we see this demonstration of God's love. Now, think about this for a second. Is the love of God shown to us historically in the death of Christ for us to study and think about and know as objective fact? Or is the love of God poured out in our hearts experientially by the Holy Spirit? Of course, the answer is both. <laughs> All right, but, and, and Paul kind of, he talks about both and he doesn't kind of let us get away with going, well, God's love is just something to objectively observe and go, oh, yes, you know, we can study that and go, well, God must love us because he did this. But he also adds in that dimension of we're supposed to experience it for ourselves. It's not just supposed to be something that we kind of intellectually know, but something that we experience. And we, we see that in the relationships that we have with people, don't we? Our, our experience of love is not necessarily always dependent on that uh, intellectual or, or objective observation or belief about whether that person loves us or not. Sometimes we can feel loved uh, and, and experience that love, in, independent of that. But there's this kind of uh, idea, I suppose, because uh, where there, there's both fact and feeling. And depending on your personality, you might rely more on one to inform you than the other. Some of us are very much uh, fact kind of people and we want you to, to prove it. And, you know, if we can't objectively quantify it, we struggle to, to accept it. And there are others of you on the other side of the spectrum that are like, you know, if I don't feel it, it must not be real. <laughs> you know, it's like if it was real, then surely I would feel it. And so how do, we, how do we kind of reconcile this concept where we have both sort of fact and, and feeling when it comes to God's love? How are the two related? How do we reconcile these two concepts? And maybe it's a little bit like this. The Holy Spirit helps to open the eyes of our heart to see the beauty of love of the love of God as it's expressed at the cross and as we see that our hearts open to his love being poured out into our hearts lastly the experience of God's love isn't the same for each person it isn't even the same for any one person all the time you probably experienced that for yourself. Maybe there are times when you had little moments where you really felt loved by God and you experienced that. And then 
you know, you look at that and go, well, I want to have that all the time, but you don't. Maybe you're one of those people that looks around at what everybody else is experiencing and going, how come they're all getting the good stuff and I'm missing out? That was a little bit like me. I remember very clearly a, a, a time at, uh, uh, off at a youth camp and there was just some really amazing things happening and God was just touching some young people powerfully and, and mightily and I was kind of sitting there and um, not getting anything. I'm just like, come on, God, where's mine? <laughs> I want some of that. You know, and one of the, you know, he, he was very gracious to me in that moment because I was really angry at God at that moment. And uh, he was very gracious to me and he put it on somebody's heart to come over. And it was something really simple. You know, and that person came over to me and said, God just wants you to know that, that he sees you and he cares about you and he loves you. And that was it, I didn't get any fuzzy feelings or you know anything like that but I knew that God saw me and I knew that God loved me and I knew that God cared about me I think that was a real turning point for me but one of the traps that we fall into is looking at other people's experiences we go well they seem to be experiencing this and and I've never experienced that why is God withholding that from me he must not love me or I would, I would experience it that way and I would experience it like that person and I would experience it like that person. And what I would say to you is this, trust that God knows what you need. And just like me in that moment, I didn't need a fuzzy feeling, I didn't need to fall on the floor, I didn't need to do any of that kind of stuff that was going on around me. What I needed in that moment was to know that God saw me and that God loved me and that's what He gave me. And you need to trust that when God uh, demonstrates His love to you, when He shows you His love, it is in a way that, that you need. And it's not in a way that, that somebody else might need or not in a way that somebody else... You're not going to respond in a way that somebody else might respond because you are you. You are the person that God created you to be and you're wired the way that God wired you. And we come back to that and go, okay, God, whatever it is, whatever you know, I, I'm able to receive from you, I trust that that is what I need right now. And I trust that you're a good father who knows me and who loves me and is going to provide what I need if I'm seeking you and if I'm open to you. Now, it, it's important to understand that Sometimes we can shut ourselves off. We can choose not to accept God's love, can't we? We've all kind of been in those, you know, in the very simplest of terms, we've all had a moment where we accepted Jesus as our Saviour, where we made that choice to, uh, to, to accept that God loves us and that Christ died for us to forgive our sins. And so there was that, that moment when we chose to open up our hearts and accept that God loves us. But there are, there are moments before and there are moments afterwards when we kind of go, nah, God, you couldn't possibly love me. I'm gonna, you know, and we, we kind of, you know, there's this, this closing off that we do. We wonder why God feels so far away. James 4.8 says, come near to God and He will come near to you. 
It's one of those, one of those things where, you know, at different times and at different places, and you know, we're going to be ready for different kinds of things. And and some of this comes down to how how willing are we to open up and trust God? How willing are we to actually listen and believe what He says to us? We can choose to close off our heart. We can choose to shut off our mind from what God says or we can choose to enter into it. We can choose to pursue it. We can choose to to listen to God's words and the, the things that He's saying to us and to accept His calling us into intimacy with Him. God loves you. God loves you with passion. God loves you so much that He gave everything, that He would know you, that He would ha- could have that relationship of intimacy with you and that you could know Him. I encourage you, Seek to understand and and know God's love from His Word, but seek to experience it in your life as well. Talk to Him about it. Open up your heart and let God love you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are an amazing, loving, heavenly Father. And Lord, even though we, we may never fully grasp the, the, the depth and the, the fullness of your love any more than we can probably grasp the reality or, or, or the fullness of any other aspect of who you are. But Father, we thank you for the ways that you have revealed your love to us in your word and in our lives. And Father, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would, we would know how wide and how high and, and how long and how deep your love is that we would have a a greater understanding of that. Lord, that we would seek to move into that experience of your love, that we wouldn't be content to just kind of know it as an intellectual objective fact because we read it somewhere and we believed it, but God, that we would want to experience that in our life. We would want to develop that closer, intimate relationship with you. Lord, that it would become the very thing from which we draw our strength, that we draw our confidence, that we draw our security from, in knowing that you love us and that nothing can ever change that. Father God, as we, as we go into this week, Lord, as we spend time with you, as we seek you, Lord, I pray that you would just meet each one of us where we're at. And that we would know in our heads and in our hearts. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church.